Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we do have Sophia. Hiya, Sophia. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm very good. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, did you enjoy the weekend of motorsport? Oh, heart, like so badly wanted to be there. I just went two months earlier instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw your video on TikTok, which was great. Uh, everyone should go over and have a, have a watch of her tour of Monaco. Uh, we've also got alongside us today, uh, Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, did you have a good weekend of motorsport watching? Yes, it was fun. It was an interesting Monaco Grand Prix. I don't know if it's for all the right reasons, but, you know, better than some weekends, at least. Yeah, the racing wasn't the most exciting, I guess. Some of it was, I mean, the, the last few laps with the uh, with the four main contenders of the race, I guess, was, was quite interesting. Bit of fun. We've got some talking points, which is the most you can ask for for a Monaco race weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and we've also got what seems like new boy, uh, Danny. Uh, he hasn't been on for probably about a year. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hello. All good. Thank you. Yeah, back, finally. <laughs> you're And you're not working today, which is, you know... No, I'm actually off work. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, well, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to uh, hear your your northern tones, your Yorkshire tones. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are going to review the uh, Monaco Grand Prix very shortly. But first, we are Everything F1. And you can find us on all our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, and you can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. We would also love it if you would to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast streaming service. Simply hit the bell, hit subscribe, whatever it is on your, on your service, uh, so you'll get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. And we would also love a lovely five-star review from you. And any five-star reviews that do, uh, get, that do arrive on any of the platforms, we will give you a shout-out as and when we can, as and when we do check them. So if you do that, we'll give you a name drop on the podcast uh, so you can kind of hear your name. Uh, and thank you very much for your support uh, for the podcast too. Okay, so let's get into the podcast itself, the review of Monaco, the Monaco Grand Prix. We can't go much further without talking about the winner. The winner was Sergio Perez, the first Mexican to ever win the Monaco Grand Prix. And uh, it's fair to say that he enjoyed himself afterwards the pictures have been on, <laughs> on social media <laughs> today this morning of a very very i don't know how, how would you say it? a very hungover a very worse for wear 
Sergio Perez uh, certainly been enjoying maybe a tequila or two uh, coops. Good to see uh, Sergio on the top step of the Monaco Grand Prix. Yes, uh, but I don't think he'll reach in the top step of anything. Going by the video, you've seen that boy was absolutely <laughs> destroyed. Uh, he was holding one shoe in one hand and the other shoe was in the marina at uh, Monaco. Had <laughs> uh, <laughs> been guided down the steps. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, great for Sergio. Uh, he is the now, he's now the most successful Mexican Grand Prix driver in Formula 1 history with three victories. The other driver uh, won two in Belgium and uh, the South African Grand Prix. Uh, I'll need to find his name. I think it was Pedro Rodriguez. Uh, I'll need to find it. It's in my notes somewhere. Uh, but it was a good race. Uh, question marks about whether Ferrari gave that one to Red Bull or Red Bull won it. But it was back to the old school kind of Red Bull where they kind of got the strategy right and they didn't muck it up. They just they, they had nothing to lose. They weren't in front. They gave. They went for a punt and it, and it worked out for them. So, yeah, all good. And then... To kind of put the cherry on the top, Sergio then got announced as a Red Bull driver for the further two years. So, all in all, a decent weekend. A good weekend for a for a Mexican called Sergio Perez, indeed. Uh, he looked strong all weekend as well, though, didn't he? You know, he was he was performing well in in free practice and of of course qualifying until that uh, turn towards the to the end of Q one. Uh, that obviously put the it stopped the the the, the Q three. Sorry. Uh, that stopped the, the last session of qualifying. Yeah. Sophia? Oh, sorry. Go on, Coops. I was just going to say, sorry, just it wasn't... Sergio didn't win it by luck. He was in front of Verstappen the whole weekend. Verstappen yeah. was just off the pace. Mm-hmm. wasn't really at it from three practice one right the way through. It's just one of those races. It just didn't quite click for them, as we all know. Formula 1 cars are very easy, are very hard to get in your window, especially these new regulations of cars. Uh, and it just seemed to click for Perez. And it didn't for Verstappen. No, exactly, uh, and that's the thing. Uh, also, something that we didn't expect to hear from uh, Christian Horner, uh, he said that you know we were only bothered about the constructors. We let our drivers compete, which kind of contradicts what they what they were doing in the previous race in Spain. But you know, maybe he's just got a short term memory uh, problem, uh, <laughs> Christian Horner. Uh, Sophia, let's go to you. Uh, what were your thoughts on Sergio Perez this weekend and those comments made from Christian Horner? I mean, he did well. He never kind of put a foot in the wrong place. Um, I think strategy obviously did come into play. And then Ferrari's lack of strategy in some cases um, <laughs> also helped Red Bull. Um, mm. With with the new review of his contract being extended, it had to come out because I don't know if anybody else watched it, but just before they got onto the podium, there was a small video of yeah. Chaco coming to Cor- uh, Horner saying, I signed way too early or I should have signed, um, yeah, like signed too early. So we all knew it was going to happen. It just means now the discussion about Gasly, which we'll probably talk about later on. Um, but yeah, like he, he was ahead of Max anyway, coming out of qualifying obviously yes he did have the issue in q3 it was quite funny the three cars that were all next to each other by the crash were the in that position of the podium as well which is mm. kind of funny um again poor, poor shawls um which again that the strategy the comments and everything was absolutely horrendous to him but no paris did a good job um happy he looked so emotional crying on the podium a few times mm. and to win Monaco, like that's a big thing. And especially because of what happened last race as well with the team orders and 
everything going on and all the politics, this win is like solidifying that he is like in contend. Even Max has said that as well. He's now a good contender for the world championship alongside Max, alongside Charles. I don't believe Christian Horner for a second. You, if, if it comes down to it, he's going to say, move over, Checo. Move over, Checo. It's uh, Max Verstappen's to win. Uh, taking, I, a, taking a page out of Helmut Marco's notebook, I think. Yeah, it's, it, it's, let, let's, let's get a quote out there to make us look fair and whatnot. And uh, Yeah, it is a shame that maybe that they signed a contract too soon because uh, he could probably have demanded an extra million or something each for, for each year of his uh, contract. But never mind. He's, he's there for two years, which is great for Red Bull, great for uh, the stability of the team. Uh, he is a great driver, great for Sergio, obviously. Um, for someone that came in on a one-year contract, he's he'll be on cloud nine, uh, you know, uh, thanking his lucky stars to being, you know, one of the top three teams uh, on the grid. Okay, let's hear what Danny has got to say. Uh, let's talk about Charles Leclerc, Danny. Uh, you, you get the, uh, you get the. Is it a good thing to have a, to talk about? I suppose there's a lot to chat about. Uh, that that Monaco curse. He finished the race this time, uh, so it wasn't full Monaco curse issue, but well, he didn't win it like he was uh, planned planning on. Well, look, he he, he didn't. He wasn't in the wall, <laughs> you know. He didn't crash it. It wasn't. A, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? It wasn't even the curse. It was his team, you know. Mm. <laughs> and you think he can't get away from it, can he? Really, a solid weekend. Uh, it was his to lose, and he lost it and it wasn't his fault at all um just afterwards he was listening to him around he said no words no words at all just i heard i heard one of the interviews afterwards he was like well i'm i'm used to it now and it, i just felt like oh, so heartbreaking to hear yeah, yeah well what i mean it, it's worse isn't it because at least if he puts it in the wall it's his fault you know mm. i'm stupid <laughs> you know he knows and he takes responsibility for that whereas if when it's the team what do you do? There's nothing you can do about that. You know, mm. it's, it, it was completely out of his hands and it's a shame, but I think we were all happy to see Perez up there. So it's, yeah. Yeah. What, what have you got to say about is what, why did it happen? Explain to our viewers who might not have watched every single lap of the race. What, why, why did Charles lose his, uh, his position in the race? Well, I mean, I think it was a bit of, um, obviously they were focusing on him, brought him in first, uh, got him on them inters, um, and actually Sainz was um, saying, we're going to skip them, we're going to get straight on the slicks, um, which was the right decision, uh, mm-hmm. but he had to wait out for that. Uh, the problem was they'd already jumped the gun for Leclerc, um, and then he had to come in again and get the slicks on. Uh, and I think that just, it's difficult because it was Sainz's idea to do that, uh, so mm-hmm. he got it right. And Leclerc didn't have that idea. He didn't come up with anything. He followed the team orders. Um, yeah. And it just wasn't right. It wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, and he was double, they were double stacked at one point. And he was like, no, you heard the radio call. He's like, no. Yeah, well, I mean, it was coming. No, no, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, uh, out. Yeah. Right. Now you're sat there. You know, it's, uh, it, um, yeah, just terrible. Do you, do, do you think that he could have, because of how hard it is to overtake at Monaco anyway, do you think he could have just kept the Inters on and stayed in, stayed out in front? I mean, it'd have been better than doing what they did. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, a, it was, a, it was ridiculous. Once you make a decision, you've got to stick with that decision. Once Sainz mm. made that decision, he was going straight on slicks. Right. That's what you're doing. Uh, you absolutely have to do that because you, you, it's the strategy 
and they didn't do that. They backed off. And as soon as you start second guessing the strategy that you've put in place, you're done for. We've seen it again and again. And that's where Red Bull get it right because they come up with a strategy. That's what we're doing. And then they go for it. And that is where they, a, a little step ahead from other people, I think. Mm. Just felt really bad for him. You know, it was, it was looking so promising as it was last year, you know, with the, with, with the qualifying with, uh, with, with Leclerc, he, he planted it on pole. He planted it on pole this weekend and he was leading the race for, you know, a good, a good length of it. Um, and, uh, and it just, just all fell away. It, the, the, the worst thing about it is obviously Monaco, um, I've always said, don't quite like Monaco. And we saw it behind Alonso. We end up with cars sat there. Um, and as you say, you can't really pass. We see the odd one, but it's not. So it really, once you qualify first, it's your race to lose. And there has to be something that goes really wrong for that to uh, be taken away from you. And it was, you know, so out of all the races, I think once you qualify first in Monaco, um, it's it's pretty, you know, that's yours. Um, and it, it just wasn't. It made it that more painful, I think. Coops, were you heartbroken for Charles? No. <laughs> you harsh, harsh man. No, I mean, they're not in a harsh way, but, you know, Ferrari just do what Ferrari do. And they played it safe. Red Bull did what they did because they had nothing to lose. If it didn't work out, they weren't going to win the race. If it worked, they were going to win the race. They weren't going to win the race without trying something. And they got themselves in a muddle. It's one of those take too long to make a decision or for fear of making the wrong decision, you either don't make the decision when you should or you make the mm. wrong one. They should have just said, if science is saying it's go straight to slicks, put Leclerc straight to slicks because you're saving a pit stop. And then to say, come in, and then you hear, no, no, out. And then Leclerc's going nuts because he's in the pit lane. We've heard mm. it before. That's a, that's a, I was going to swear there, that's a mess. You don't do that. So when the second one came in and, I mean, I had to laugh at the radio call when it came out from Leclerc and it was just a line of beeps. Beep, 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 beep. And you're like, I wonder what he's saying to the team. <laughs> uh, All very happy, jolly things. Yes, of course. I wonder what, what's there. Uh, so, hey, it is what it is. Uh, they've, there's going to be a debrief. It probably already has been a debrief. Leclerc has got the monkey off the back and he's actually finished the race. As Danny has said, if you're on pole, you should win in Monaco. Uh, you can't really pass unless you're Gasly. Uh, but then you can't really pass if you're stuck behind Alonso. So, mm. you know, it, it's it's going to be a hard one for Leclerc to, to deal with. And I think maybe that couple of the week breaks good because he can disappear from the team. He can go back to Monaco. He can, you know, chill out with his friends. Just get away with it, away from it for a few days, and mm. then reset for uh, Baku. But definitely a bit of a missed opportunity for Ferrari with the way that they returned to their old ways, which with the way they were performing this year looked like they weren't. They kind of got rid of that. But. A major, major error. But it was good for Signs. Signs uh, obviously was the second on the second step for the second year running uh, in Monaco. So a very good good run of form for him at Monaco uh, Grand Prix. Yes. Um, Sophia, you got anything to say about signs? Obviously, Danny's mentioned he, he got the call right. Um, mm -hmm. did, did everything that he needed to do to, to, to get there, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you mentioned, obviously, this is the second time Sainz is now taken second. It's also the fourth time Ferrari have taken second position 
in Monaco in the la- in the last races as well. It's always been Red Bull one and then a, a Ferrari two. Um, mm. But I mean, if we jump back to Charles as well, my opinion around it as well is I think he could have stayed out and kind of gone against the orders. Like we've seen drivers when the pit crew when the strategy is the same box and saying no i want to stay out he could have mm. done that like that i feel like that could have been possible as well um because if he knew that science was coming in as well ferrari don't really do double stack pits as well so that's also another kind of risk and it depend on how like how he charles would be um in that lap he could have mm. stayed out um and that might have helped as well with the strategy. But yeah, pull a max and just say, no, <laughs> I'm staying out. Or like Hamilton as well, notorious doing that about with tires and pitting and such. Um, but yeah, Carlos Sainz can't fault him. Like really good. Stay two, started to finish two. So yeah, absolutely. Did exactly what he needed to do. Uh, yeah, I think you're right about that. Does he need to, you know, start questioning over the radio a bit more being being a bit more um kind of you know determined and kind of hang on is this the right call he needs he needs to maybe become more of that leader um that 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 you know the likes of hamilton is the likes of max verstappen is the likes of you know michael schumacher was and making these kind of strategy calls in in the car itself obviously to a certain extent he's got to trust his his team as well and trust that they're making the right call but uh, yeah, yeah. I, a bit of pushback. Might, he might. has the relationship with Ferrari. He's been in that kind of one spot or two, like he's been with Ferrari for a long time. So like he, mm. out of anybody, like if Carlos Sainz was to say that, that would have been a different story. Only been with two, like this is the second year in. Yeah. But Charles has been with Ferrari for a long time. He has more kind of push and power over like if Carlos Sainz was to do it and everything. So yeah, I feel like he is going to start kind of questioning, especially with how everything happened, even when it was a red flag as well and dealing with the situation. Like, you could see the camera clips, like, him going off to Ferrari strategists, like the meme with Michael Schumacher going back, running <laughs> running to the strategist. But, yeah, I think there might be a switch come back to on how Charles is going to perform, I think. Yes, you might be right there. Uh, okay, let's move on to third place podium sitter. Max Verstappen, Danny, was off the pace of Sergio Perez's pace. So was the number two Red Bull driver this weekend uh, pretty much in in all uh, sessions? Was it just this circuit that Max wasn't feeling it? Was it was there something uh, uh, you know underlying that that we need to know about? Well, I think his his dad insists that the team um, didn't quite give him enough. Um, right. Of course, good old. Good old Joss. Um, it's always somebody else's fault. Never little Max. Um, but no, um, all drivers have the same, don't they? They all, all have a weekend where they're a bit off. Uh, and I mean, it, you, you know, aside of Perez, Perez had an amazing weekend. He was solid. Mm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you just can't match that. And it's, uh, I mean, third is third, isn't it? It's pretty good. Um, it's not as good as he, he should do, but still had a Red Bull at that top. And it was... It was solid but soft, wasn't it? Really, he was. He was there. He did enough, but I suppose he was still. A, he was still ahead of his uh, main championship contender uh, in obviously Charles Leclerc. So still getting point, the points he needs. Points wise, yeah. yeah, getting getting more points, advancing his championship lead. You know, a little bit more, uh, albeit a slightly smaller margin than it would have been if he was on the top step. 
Yeah, well, it's uh, and it's good media for um, Red Bull, isn't it? Bring them closer. We haven't got a one-two. We've just got two drivers. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Coops, who do you want to talk about next? Should we talk about who? Who else? Who else had a good good race weekend? George Russell back to fifth. Lando Norris six. Very close to each other. I think they crossed the line point two of a second between each other. Uh, Norris and sixth, uh, Russell and fifth. But I just want to mention because it's not been mentioned yet. But Carlos Sainz's car control throughout uh, that race. Did you see the slide on the on the uh, on the pit on the on the, the pit straight? Oh, oh. Mm. Yeah, oh, I, rem- I remember yes. I'd, said it, I'd said in our group chat, Sainz is going to come off. Every time he went down that straight, he was a little wobble, little wobble. And as soon and then, as he, how he brought that back, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no idea. And unbelievable. And do you know what? See if, it, see if it was anybody else behind that wheel. I'd park up and just be sitting there like, oh my God, what did I just do? Oh my, you know, that'd be it. New set of shorts. But yeah, that, it was amazing. Uh, that was probably a few lessons from his dad, uh, from rallying. So. Uh, there's a few, few kind of tips. It, there was, yeah, a, there was apart a, from I think for Sainz, uh, Sainz Junior, the inside of the car was muddy rather than the outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there was there was another bit he saved, but it wasn't quite as dramatic on the uh, uh, on the street. And I mean, the thing is, I, I wasn't looking at the telly just when it happened, and the, the commentators jumped. You know, their voice. I was expecting to see a car sliding across the barrier or along the barrier, the wheels missing. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Norris is doing what Norris is supposed to do. Russell, again, doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Uh, Norris got the fastest lap. Let's Norris see. got the fastest lap noting. as well. Uh, uh, Alonso pumped in fastest lap, the cheek of the man. Uh, we'll get on to him. But uh, uh, yeah, it was, they, they were good, you know. Uh, it seems to be the same people popping up, doing well. You've got the other ones doing okay. You've got a couple of no man's land, and then you've got the the people at the back of the grid that really shouldn't be in Formula One anymore. Uh, they're coming from a country with a red fl- uh, red leaf on the flag. Uh, at least one of them is. Uh, I do like syrup. maple syrup. I know I do. I do like. I do like that. Uh, but it's you know it's it, they're, they're using the the national anthem of Canada in a very different light when you see Stroll and Latifi on the track. It's oh Canada. Uh, <laughs> you know it, it, it's it's. Uh, it's not good. But anyway, go, go to the good side. Yes, uh, Russell has proven exactly what he's supposed to do. The car is not where it's supposed to be. He's doing amazing, getting fifth. He's not as far ahead as people would like to think when it comes to uh, the Hamilton-Russell uh, gap. Unfortunately for Hamilton, he's been stuck in two races now behind cars that he just couldn't pass and tracks that you can't pass. Uh, mm-hmm. And Russell's just kind of, you know, just got it where it's to be. Uh, you know, there's not much else we can say about Norris. We haven't already said in previous podcasts. He got he he, he trounced his uh, his teammate again last week. Uh, last week when he had tonsillitis by quite a margin, he done it, and it doesn't even seem to look hard anymore. Uh, you know, I wrote an article for the website where one of the other guys, Tom, wrote another one recently, and you know, when I wrote the article, people were on jumping on my back. And being like, oh no, it's the what a race and blah blah blah. And then by the time we got a few weeks later, and Tom writes the other article saying pretty much the same thing or a similar idea, everyone's kind of shifted over. You know, it's there's the definite shift, and uh, and to write something with a sharpie on the back of your pot on your helmet saying uh, was it F E M or 
Yeah, Some, I, uh, F-E-A. F-E-A, that's it. I had to get that explained to me because I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to acronyms <laughs> like that. But uh, yeah. Well, yeah. He, 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 although he says his skin's thick, you know, he knows he's not performed the way that it was expected of him. He's promised that he'll be able to do certain things. They've promised to provide him with something. Certain people in the world of the Formula One fans are saying, you know, with the blinkers on, it's the car, it's this, it's that. You know, I had a conversation on the Facebook page about, you know, Ricardo, and it's like, Either the guy ended up ending it with, you know, it proves that it's not just the driver talent, it's how good the car is in Formula One. That's a fact. I'm like, but that's always been a fact. That That's how it works. Formula One always has done. If you're good enough, you get the best car, you get the best car, you've got more chances of winning. That's what happened. But Daniel Ricciardo isn't, he is not performing to the expectation to get whatever it is, 20 odd million a year uh, into what he's supposed to be there for Formula One, regardless of his he'll be disappointed himself at the end of the day you know he, he'll know that he's not not where he where he wants himself to be um so the pressure will be adding from himself internally and obviously externally from from the rest of his team as well um the, the funny thing sorry the funny thing about ricardo is when he joined renault although everyone was like oh my god he's joined renault i kind of thought oh no this is on a knife edge, you're right, he's either going to join Renault and then he's just not going to be at the front ever again, or he's mm. going to join Renault and lock into something. I had that weird kind of feeling that I'm like, this is not going to work the way he wants it to work. And I was excited for him joining McLaren, and within a couple of races, I thought, oh, damn it. Uh, he's just made the wrong choice in his career when he's left Red Bull. Uh, yeah. Whether they had many options to do anything else, maybe he should have stayed at Red Bull for a couple of years, jumped into McLaren earlier, you know, before signs. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and you know, if we've done a series of podcasts called Formula One What If, you know, you could do it for a long time and it could be a lot of fun. But mm. yeah, I just don't really see any. I don't see how he can come back. I, I genuinely don't see him staying at McLaren next year, regardless of contract. If McLaren yeah, well, don't see him going anywhere, he's done. They'll just go, here's your money. On you go. Catch you later. They they said the contract can be broken, uh, Zach, yes. Zach Brown. Um, so it's All contracts it's, can uh, be broken. Perform, be... Performance clauses or whatever in there. Oh, I mean, in the world of Formula One, if you give a contract to a driver without performance clause, you're stupid. You just don't do it. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And I don't run a Formula One team. You know, mm. it's like, we will prove you this. But if you don't do this we can send you out the door. Well, yes. <laughs> you know, and Danny will know that. Danny's not skint, you know. I'd love to see him jump over to Australia, get into the the, the V8 supercars, maybe fire into NASCAR. He loves NASCAR. He loves America. He loves Texas. You know, there will be a series somewhere that will suit him. And, I mean, everybody loves the man, but even though I do like McLaren, I just don't see it. I think he's done. I think it's it's been a year and a bit. He's not shown anything other than the one one, which a lot of your hardened Ricardo fans are latching on to. He won a race. Good for you, so did Ocon. <laughs> and you know <laughs> he's not built on it. He's not went anywhere else. Come on, yeah. you know, look at it for the whole year. You know, I'm even part of uh, a couple of Daniel Ricardo uh fan groups uh, on Facebook and social media and, and they're all kind of turning now slightly, you know, maybe it's just, you know, it's the, it's become the age of, of a driver. He's not, not got the adaptability that he needs to, to adapt to the new cars, to the new styles that the 
you know these manufacturers are, are creating and just that this is the thing about formula one formula one moves away from a driver mm. when sebastian Vettel won his four championships in red bull his driving style and the way he dealt with the car and the way the cars were built and everything suited him it worked then it didn't and then other things you know there's also other factors you know Ayrton Senna godlike in the world of Formula One in, the, in 1994 he was struggling to adapt you know before he was passing the first three races he had no points he was you know there's legitimate there's issues around whether Benetton were running illegal traction control and all that kind of stuff but there were signs that things were moving away even for him and he was taking a wee bit to adapt from it mm. you know one of the reasons why Hamilton, I think, is seen as one of the greats is because he just adapts. And it doesn't seem... He just gets in a car at the start of each year, the start of new generation, slightly different car, and he's on it. Boom, done. There's no two or three races when he needs to kind of figure it out. He's just there. And that's what people seem to forget about Hamilton, whether you like him, whether you don't. It's that longevity, how he just gets in the car and gets on with it. Uh, you know, a couple of points away for winning in his rookie season, and it's just never went away. Yes, we've had a couple of years with the car wasn't well, but this year, this year he's struggling. So it's the but first. Yes, I mean it's. Yeah, I mean he, the he thing is, years... I, think, I think that's exactly the point, though. What you've just said there about Lewis is a, is it matches Danny Rick in a way. So he used to be able to jump in a car. And he just goes. And then he's had yes. them years where he's had that success. And now actually Lewis is struggling uh, because he can't just jump in that car and go. I think Danny Rick had the same. He was having that success. He was building up. He went to Reynolds. Oomph. And yeah. then all of a sudden now he can't pick it back up. He can't no. get back to where he was. I think that's the same thing. And I think a lot of drivers get exactly the same. You know, once you've had that slump, it's very hard to get back up. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I, I think the thing for, that might be good for us as fans uh, is that Hamilton and Ricardo will not do a Raikkonen and just saunter around happily at the back of the grid, just quite happy to be there. If they feel, I'm not getting this, this is not working, he'll go. Mm. I'm sure Hamilton will do it, for sure. And I'd imagine Ricardo might not have many options to do it. There's too many young people that need a chance that should be given a chance and there's an, there's already one or two drivers that questionably should be on the grid anyway uh, and the last thing I think Danny Ricardo and Lewis Hamilton let's face it have very big reputations within Formula 1 and are very nice people you know you don't want to be sitting there two years down the line like why is he still in the car you know <laughs> you know Raikkonen probably should have left a year before he did, like some of the things he was doing, you're like, oh, come on, mate, really? Uh, and we don't want that from Rick Ricardo. We don't want that from Hamilton. You know, as Danny says, maybe it is the point where Hamilton's just not adapting like he should. Maybe he's just not getting it. And that's that's just life. You know, we all get older, unfortunately. You know, and <laughs> things just don't come quite as easy as they did before, you know? I think I think Hamilton will still get it at some point this year. I've got, I've got confidence in him. Um, you would see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think he will. He'll get a hang of it at some point this year. He might not. Well, he definitely won't win the championship. But I, I, I think he'll. I think he'll certainly get a win under his belt, and I think he'll have a. You know, have more control of that car. Whether he beats uh, George Russell is another question uh, entirely. Uh, over the course of the season, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure that that will happen. But 
I think it's going to be an interesting battle uh, intra-team. Sophia, what do you think about the Mercedes uh, two? Uh, George Russell obviously did did, did well uh, again consistently in the top five. Uh, Hamilton just a couple of places behind him, but lap times very similar. Yeah, I mean George Russell, I've praised him multiple times whenever I'm on the podcast here with the fact that he is the only driver now still to be in top five, finishing seven races in, six races in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven races in. Like he is proving that even though the car is undrivable and a lot of issues, <laughs> he is still outperforming Hamilton. And I think, especially now, the fact that we're like a third almost into the season. Mm-hmm. it shows that like George was perfect for this role. Like there's a lot of people saying like, Oh no, like why is he coming? Like obviously people wanted Bartas to probably stay, but obviously Bartas was ready to leave and all that kind of stuff. But like it, he's solidifying. He is a great driver and deserved a better seat compared to what he had at Williams yeah. hands down um, doing so well. And even with all the issues, like he's even said that he's had like spine issues, back issues because of how bad the porpoising was, especially in Miami. And then obviously got kind of sorted randomly in uh, Barcelona. And then it came back um, in Monaco because I think obviously it's different types of tracks and everything as well. But he he can't fault right now. Like he's doing what a good driver should be doing, especially coming into a new team, new team with new regulations as well across the entire board no one has kind of a blueprint on what a good F1 car is right now because it's always constantly changing. There's always needs for upgrades and fitting for the drivers. George, you can't fault him at all. When it comes to Hamilton, though, I mean, he said that he kind of wanted to give up the drivers, and I think that is possible. I think they might want to focus on constructors maybe as well, but I think this might be a season of him just taking a step back, getting the car to work for him, as best as he can and then might pull out an eighth win next season. But I, I don't know about this season. I think George is going to outperform him for this season. It's going to finish on top um, when we go to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a pretty fair assumption. I, someone did the maths and said, you know, Hamilton will actually have to outscore him in every race and, and more uh, by more than like one or two places to, to even, even, level peg with him you know it's yeah. it's uh, it, it, it's a fair whack of points ahead of Lewis Hamilton so it's going to be very very difficult for him to unless of course this Mercedes comes good and then you know Lewis Hamilton wipes the floor but I can't see that happening uh, at the current state uh, of the, the the Mercedes if I can think off the top of my head just think of numbers if George finishes either fifth sixth or seventh every single race and Hamilton finishes above him in a third of those races with two fastest laps mm-hmm. that would be either close to or if not above uh hamilton will be above george if i can right. if i've done the math correctly off the top of my head mm. which i do for a living so i should be right yeah. <laughs> <hopefully>. <laughs> as a data analyst um i think that's what it is i think he needs yeah at least seven or eight races above george if, if george finishes fifth sixth or seventh for the rest of the season and Hamilton will need at least two or three fastest laps to finish above him. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, Danny, let's talk about Alonso. Keeping uh, Lewis Hamilton at bay, uh, not really that much of a tough job. Uh, and he said so himself uh, after the race, you know, when asked, oh, how hard was it to keep uh, Lewis Hamilton behind you? It was, oh, easy, easy peasy. 
but it is Monaco, isn't it? So it's it's easy to keep pretty much anyone behind uh, at Monaco. So is it is it such a bold statement to make? No, it's Monaco. <laughs> it's uh, you know you can keep people behind pretty easily. Uh, if it was another track, I mean Alonso's good at that anyway. Uh, mm. But you know, um, if it was another track, it maybe be a little bit more impressive. But um, I think it just annoyed people more than anything. But uh, um, <laughs> but he likes uh, to do that, doesn't he? It's Alonso. <clears throat> come on, he likes to he likes yeah, to say this thing. Get I mean, people rather in the chat at the minute on a on a, on our live. Uh, Julie says, uh, "Was Alonso wrong to hold up Hamilton? Unsportsmanlike no. for doing his job." No, no, he was doing no, his no, job. No, no, it's, yeah. it's what they're supposed Absolutely. to do. You know, yeah. it's uh, you know, it might seem annoying and it might seem counterproductive that he's just holding people back. It's exactly what you're supposed to do on a track where and then he just shot off and got fastest lap. <laughs> you know, uh, which which just uh yeah, annoyed people even more. But even Lewis, you know, I don't I don't think he had much to say about it. You know, it it was frustrating for him, he couldn't get past. Uh, but that is what the job is you know that's what you do you don't let people past that's not what everyone is you know and yeah holding people up it seems but it's monaco it's it's what you do (laughs) it's how it is yeah so alonso did did exactly what he needed to do kept lewis behind and obviously scored some decent points what about his teammate esteban ocon he he had a bit of a a bit of a a bit of an okay race that very points didn't he he got a five-second penalty though with Hamilton ah yes yeah he did yeah sorry he did yeah yeah it's um he, he got the penalty so dropped out of the points uh but he, he had a pretty yes. good race actually um uh, pretty pretty solid um but then yeah dropped out of the points because of that uh because of that penalty uh yeah whether it was a penalty or not it was was questioned at the time I don't personally think so but um no. but I, I, look at looking at it back. I looked at it a few times. Didn't quite see how it was a um, cut and dry penalty, but they seemed to make the decision pretty quickly and just go, "Nope, that's that's a penalty." That's your, I, I, I didn't see it myself, but you know. Can anyone explain what happened and what, why it was a penalty, Sophia? Do you want to get, take that away? Yeah. So I don't know the names of corners. I probably should, but it's the corner coming up to uh, just before the pit, and it looked like Hamilton was behind Arcon. And it just came a little bit too close. And the front wing of Hamilton's just kind of got clipped with a bit of damage. But that was it. In regards to the penalty, I don't think it was a penalty because it Ocon had space, clean line. Well, he had the lead anyway. Hamilton mm-hmm. as well. Like it, it was because also the streets are so narrow and these cars are so wide now. It yeah. was possible. Like it, it is possible because of how the cars are this time around. But I don't think it was a five-second penalty. Like, it didn't, like, slow down Hamilton. It didn't affect anything because, again, the red flag later on brought out for the fix and everything for it. I, even Alcon kind of said afterwards about the stewards and his, and the decision about the five-second penalty, saying it's favoritism at its finest, or, like, there's some form of favoritism going on. And it's been a bit of social media stirring, and Hamilton's even now got involved posting on his Instagram stories about mm. um, how that race was handled as a whole and also for that certain event. But, yeah, it, it was a slight touch. I said it was a racing incident. I've, I've said that through our chats, and I've said it on social media. It was just a racing incident. Yeah, I... I- I, I agree with you there, I think, uh, definitely. I want to chat about Mick Schumacher uh, and the incident that he had. 
that was a, a what coach just shaking your head. What 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 yes. was your thoughts? What were your thoughts on that incident that Mick had uh, going into? Was it the swimming pool corner? I can't remember yes. which corner it was. That. Yeah, swimming pool corner. I think it was a swimming corner. Yes, right. That well, the corner had... just before the swimming pool corner. Yeah. Well, he came into a corner. The, the the left rear tire, as he put it, was ten seconds and or ten centimeters onto the kind of damper line with the slicks, and well, slick tires on a loaded rear wheel, it's all she wrote. That man is going to bankrupt Haas if he doesn't get his finger in his ass. <laughs> uh, I mean, Beep. it looked... Uh, that's allowed. Give it a rest. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looked worse than it was. See when the camera spanned round and you saw the wheel, the, the gearbox not uh, not attached to the car and the camera moved away and you didn't hear from Mick. It was very Netflix, Drive to Survive drama. Now, mm-hmm. for the regulations this year, after what happened to Grosjean, the cars are designed to do that under yeah. that sort of load. The cars are designed to separate in that way. Now, don't ask me what they found in the, the investigation for Grosjean to decide that that's a safety thing. I'm sure there was something. I would need to go and look. Uh, so it looked worse than it was. Uh, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, I didn't realise Magnussen had retired like just before that happened. <laughs> uh, uh, kind of forgot he'd fell out of the race until uh, everything happened. Uh, but yeah, Mick, now I'll probably get into trouble. Mick isn't the guy that people want to think he is. He's not the second coming of his dad. Uh, he'll be lucky if he spends half the time that his dad did spend in Formula One and Formula One. Uh, I just don't see it. I didn't see it. People I just like seeing the name, though, don't they? The, and the you know well, MSC this, on, this, the, on the boards. It's, well, it's very reminiscent. It's the romance. It's with all what about, his dad's going through as well. It's well, yeah. you know, it's the romance of Formula One. It's the romance of Mick Schumacher. He seems like a really lovely guy. And as you say, I mean, I don't think there'd be quite as much romance and uh, quite as much kind of love for him if his dad hadn't had the accident and is dealing with the health issues that we all know about. But purely on a racing situation. I haven't seen anything that makes me think, oh, he's got something. I mean, he didn't have much. It wasn't the exciting prospect coming up under the lower formula. He kind of stumbled about a bit, then he suddenly won it, and everyone's like, how did he win that? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like you, you could tell when you saw like Lando Norris, Russell, Hamilton through the lower formula. You just knew there was something. Mick, no. Now, he's not as bad as Latifi. Like, nobody can be as bad as him. I mean, even <laughs> he, he's, he, uh, the, the way that Latifi's driving this year, he's pushing the Zeppelin uh, in terms of the way he's driving. But, yeah, Mick really needs to take stock and start kind of getting his finger out because if he isn't performing in a Haas, which is a decent car, I mean, that's a, mm. you know, that should be fighting up with the Alpha Tauris. This weekend wasn't good for either Haas. They just weren't quite on it. But yeah. every other weekend... They were good. They've been decent, and if you get a decent enough driver in the car, you're up in the top five, top six, as shown. Yeah. With uh, Mag- Magnuson, Magnuson can do it. So why can't why can't Mick? What are your thoughts on that rumour that um, Seb is uh, pitching to Aston to to bring Mick in to kind of replace him when he leaves, if he leaves at the end of the season? No. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm going to say that if Seb's going to retire this year. I don't think Aston Martin can afford and would want to bring Mick in. Mick's already now has had a warning from um, Cliff and Siner about his performance 
he's not performing well. Like you even have Guan Zhou outperforming him, and he's a rookie, first year in new regs. Like, and yes, obviously both teams have um, older drivers who are more experienced and everything for support, but. Mm. Again, it's mixed second year, mix one in the lower divisions. Guanyu or Joe Guanyu is not like yeah. it. It's coming to that point, and like Coop said as well, it's the last name as well, and I think that also added to the pressure of it. I, I'm happy that he is an F1, but I don't. If he doesn't kind of show up in the next couple of races, he might be one of the other drivers kind of getting pushed out because there's so much amazing talent coming in. Like we said, Oscar Piastri wanted like we wanted him to come in this season, but there was no space. You have even in F two and F three right now, Felipe Djokovic, who's unaffiliated right now, who has mm. won three out of the four races in the last two, Barcelona and um, Monaco. He could take Haas' spot, like take Mix's spot potentially next season because he's on track to winning right now in F two. I I don't see yeah. Aston Martin, especially with the price cap as well. But even the price caps being trying to talk about being renewed, like it changed around because of the cost of everything. I think seven teams have gone to the FIA or like is in discussion saying that the cost cap is way too low given the cost of everything going forward now and increase, especially with the oil situation, with the ongoing situation with uh, Russia and Ukraine, travel Mm -hmm. in general and staffing. It's Ferrari. Ferrari have said they're they're nearly at the, uh, they're nearly, nearly breaking the cost cap, uh, which, you know, and 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 there are at least two other teams that spend probably a similar amount uh, to Ferrari. So, Haas Williams with all the spins and crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Gunter Steiner said that the cost to rebuild the car in the Saudi crash for Max Schumacher was a million dollars. So if you say, I saw a quote about a crash and I don't know who it was, but somebody said on Twitter that, that an accident similar, like a £500,000 accident to repair the car is the cost of one aero upgrade under the cost cap. Mm. If you balance it out and upgrades, they've got to take away some. They can't just do what Merck did. They wiped a car out, they just rebuilt it. You know, 400 yeah. million quid a year. Ago. Now it's a case of, right, okay, so the car's wrecked. What can we save? Nothing. There's a wheel nut in the left front wheel that's fine. Okay, right. So that's a rebuild. So that's this. So we then have to move the books about. The the, the situation about the seven teams, I I don't know if seven teams have went to the FIA. I know Christian Horner did say that there are seven teams that probably will make it that won't, you know, are struggling because of cost of inflation and freight. So, Mm. you know, maybe the cost cap needs to go up every year. I know that other sports, uh, ice hockey in America, I know that for sure that every year the cost cap changes and it tends to go up the way. Uh, sometimes it drops, sometimes it stabilizes. It doesn't tend to go down much. That was the idea of the, the Formula One cost cap. It was supposed to go down over the next few years. Well, it's supposed to go down um, by five million next year. Mm. I think it's five million. Uh, <laughs> Not going to happen at no, all. <laughs> I think they'll, I think they'll have to average it. I think maybe they'll have to do something. Maybe over a three-year period, it's going to stay at this, and then we'll renegotiate for a further three-year. Maybe it needs to be something along those lines. But let's not forget, though, this cost cap is probably what's attracted other teams to want to put their hat in the ring. You know, Andretti uh, is is very interested in bringing a team to Formula One, probably because of the cost cap and how it, it's going to mean that he's going to be more competitive. Is is 
Porsche, is Audi, these other teams that, that you know, obviously they've got massive amounts of money, but they're, they're attracted at the moment to, for, for, because of the all the measures that they've put in place to I mean, try and help competitiveness. I think the cost cap's the right thing to do. I think it just came at the wrong time. Uh, Economy-wise, yeah. is dreadful. Everything's going up. Um, and also, obviously, with the new regs and everything else, um, it, it, it's the reason probably why Mercedes is still where they are as well. Because mm. as I say, you know, normally they could just go, right, rip it out, throw money at it, do yeah. this instead, yeah. yeah. And they just throw cash at it, and then it works. You know, and they can't do that now. They can't work with that low budget. So um, I think it's, which isn't a bad thing, because it brings them down to everybody else, and everybody else has to work on the same budget. Everybody else has to work on the skills of using just what they've got. Uh, and people, are, teams are managing, so it works. Um, but well, then they're running out of money. Yeah, you know, they're, uh, not, they're not managing by the sense. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I, again, I, th- I think that's because of the economy, fuel prices, things like that are going up um, mm. and, and travel costs and things like that. Everything's going up. So I think it was done at the wrong time. And with the new re- new regs and everything, um, everything was new. And you can't bring that in when you, ev- you're starting again, just new car. There you go. You've got to develop that. But by the way, you're getting in no money. Mm. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It was, you know, it was never going to work. And, I think economy-wise, everything else has got worse. It, it's just hit it even worse, hasn't it? I think they were always going to run out of money, uh, but it was going to be closer to the end of the of the season. I think yeah. it just goes to show how much everything is actually costing now, travel-wise, everything else. Uh, it, it's having an impact even on multi-billion-pound F1. So while we're <laughs> you know while we're complaining about uh, fuel prices. And then you watch that thinking, you know, well, there's billions of Six, pounds there. Actually, 67 still... quid it costs to fill my car now. 67 yeah, I know, quid. I know, yeah. It was imagine... 47 previously. <clears throat> yeah, imagine you had an F1 car. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want to bring it back to uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. I want to go around each and every one of you. I want you to pick one driver uh, slash team slash somebody who either impressed or didn't impress. A hero or a zero from the race weekend. I'll go to Sophia first. Guan Yu Zhou with that save. That's, nice. That was amazing. I mean, he jokes saying that he needed a new uh, race suit afterwards. That <laughs> kind of save is literally obviously with uh, Carlos Sainz, both great saves, but mm. for a rookie as well. And he was close to potentially taking over. I think it was Yuki, I think he was trying to overtake. Yeah. He did. That was amazing. And quick recovery as well, especially for him not. Like he's driven in Monaco and F2 and such, but new regs, new car on wets as well, which I don't think he's ever actually been on a wet Monaco track like some of the other drivers. Mm. So that showed how one, again, I said this earlier on this podcast, it he is outshowing and he is showing that he is gr- good eh, for a paid driver compared to the other paid drivers that we have currently on the track. He is performing very well and he is getting points. He was close to finishing a few times, but had engine faults that weren't even his own faults. He was close to running points a few times without, mm. if he didn't have the engine faults in Miami and what was the one before Miami? Um, was it Italy? But yeah, those two races, he could have been in the points and mm. done quite well for Alpha. So he, he was one of my heroes, drivers of the day. There was a few others as well, but that save was literally you would expect that for people that have had a lot more experience than he does in F1 cars. Coops, your hero or zero? My zero is the is the race control 
the whole weekend, well, the whole race. Uh, yes, we need to talk about this, definitely. Because, now, the initial delay, the very first delay when the rain first appeared was fine. That's fine, because it went from completely dry, we're going to have a dry start, to there's a spot of rain. Wait a minute, where, where did this come from? So, yeah, fine, okay, give the team an opportunity to quickly adjust the car, get the tyres on the track. Then it went a bit wrong. I think the biggest problem that race control have is that there's a fear to make the wrong mistake, the wrong decision. Mm. So they end up thinking about decision, talking about decision, having a discussion. What do we do? What do we do this? How do we do this? Plus the guy who, uh, is it Freitas, uh, if I'm right, was the race yeah. uh, 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 director. That's only his second Grand Prix. Uh, mm. he, he only came in to do the kind of turnabout at Spain. Uh, and there's only been two wet Monaco races in 12 years, and that was the first one in six years. But they just they just really did not shine themselves in glory. It came out yesterday that there was some issues with power. That's why you ended up with rolling starts, because they couldn't trust that the starting stuff, like the starting lights and the starting sequence would work. It still doesn't negate the fact that they really just... It, it, it felt like they were radar watching. They were waiting for the next bit of rain. So I'll oh, just wait a minute to see if it rains again. Wait a minute. No, get them out. There was plenty of opportunity to get them out. There was, it yeah, was just, far too delayed. Yep. Yeah, we would, have, we would have definitely had to have a stoppage uh, at some point, but then we would have had a few laps under our belt. We would have seen maybe yeah. a bit of action, maybe, maybe a few, few offs, a few kind of, a bit of tussling under the under the wet weather, but we definitely should have had some laps. It wasn't. It wasn't at on. the point it was dangerous. It was at the point where it was going to challenge the twenty best drivers in Formula One and in the world to exactly. actually use their talent. That's why we're there watching them. That's why they're paid millions of quid. And so these they ti- these tires, they can they can you know move three hundred liters of water a second or whatever they yeah. whatever they you know they're, they're really effective wet weather wet weather tires. You know, give them a few laps at least. Stop the race when it needed to be stopped, like it, you know, it, it would have, it, would have. It, I think uh, it was about half an hour after the initial start. It probably mm. should have been red flagged. Uh, yeah, and then the Mick Schumacher incident. We went through virtual safety car, safety car, red flag. Now we're all looking at that and going, "That's a red flag." And I'm, red not flag. A, I, I'm not a race director, and I'm looking, going, "That's a red flag." Because yes, Monaco guys are great. The cranes and the way that the the the, the stewards work, eh, not the stewards, sorry, the marshals. I mean, they can get cars off that track like that. They're brilliant. They're one of a kind in Monaco because they have to be. Mm-hmm. But it's not that. It was the barrier. The barrier had moved and it needed to be checked and put back in place. You don't do that when cars are driving past. No. So we all knew this. It's just, you know, and then we had the Indy 500 that night. There was a crash with six laps to go. Within a half a lap of an Indy 500 track, the race control red flagged it. Right, nope. Get them in, and then we'll have four laps. We can we can race. Mm-hmm. Come on! You know, mm. Why just, can't FIA do this? We need was, we need FIA to pull their finger out. Come on! Well, do you know what they, sh- they should have learned by now? Because look what happened at the end of last season. Look at the issues over last season. They need to learn, and you know it's one of those ones where you're watching. Like I'm a football fan as well as a Formula One fan, and do they call you it know, football up in Scotland? Fitba. Fitba. <laughs> so I gave a Fitba. Uh, so, you know, there's nothing worse 
than watching a great game of football and the referee does something stupid and it's like it's all about the referee and the FIA are doing that to Formula 1 races just now it's like we don't want to think about the, direct, the race director the race director comes up and says oh so and so has got a five second penalty and you go I pretty much I probably should have been that's it none of this mm. faffing about like should we make a decision let's see what the weather's doing for the next five ten minutes kick up yourself get on with it it's just, it just it really did start really grating on me while I was watching the kind of what I was, should have been watching a Grand Prix. And the clock situation as well. The fact that they started the clock about five minutes, seven minutes early for the first time. And then again, it kept on cutting through. They, they didn't tell him, they either. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even change <laughs> oh, it all. They, they started it. All right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> even the commentary, the commentary was Why? like, oh, clock's already started. Um, okay. They... That five minutes that they've done could have added an extra couple laps. Like I think they finished technically under sixty-seven laps or sixty-eight laps. We didn't know mm-hmm. because the screen only had the countdown the clock, which yeah. was stupid. I mean, the graphics in general of the Monaco Grand Prix, obviously, it's not done by the F one. It's done by the country itself, like the own government kind of system. But like the amount of times the commentary got strolled as well when they were talking and like the lags, the graphics, that that's another kind of that was my zero of the day. But the clock, like we could have done a full race. Obviously, we still got the full points because it was over seventy five percent of the laps. Mm-hmm. But twice there was two instances of the clock, and I understand the two hour window and the three hour window. Sometimes it gets null and void depending on the situations and such. But Nobody knew what was going on. Even you yeah. had like Crofty and Martin, all of them like, what? Why? What's happening? Oh, crazy. Okay, well, let's go to Danny. Who's your hero or zero from the weekend? Uh, well, probably have to mention Latifi, don't we? Um, oh. it, what? what <laughs> uh, we keep saying, you know, there's so many people that should be in F1 at the minute. There's so many drivers that could be in that seat. And mm. he's just not helping himself at all. Uh, formation lap. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's off the track. I mean, he, he, he gave it a good go and you can't even get off the track. <laughs> he's still, you know, it's... Yeah, I don't Dor- even know what... Dorilton Capital bring a lot of money to the team. Uh, I, I think if you were to look into the deal uh, that, that uh, Nicholas Latifi's dad kind of pays into uh, to, to Williams. You've got a question. How long is is that his money going to last uh, before actually he's going to go going into Doralton Capital's money? Um, yeah, and, you uh, can bring, you, you know, you can bring as much money as you want, but if you're spending it yourself, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and he is, you know, he's making sure he spends every single penny that he's bringing along with him. Mm. <laughs> it's not, it's not as a, it's not that good a deal. I don't think Latifi's. It's not your thirty million of of Joe at Alpha. I mean, mm. he brings a substantial amount in terms of... I think it's what, something like 20 million, I think. Yeah, so it's... From memory. You know, but, you know, Dorothy Capital have money, but if you're spending every other race totaling a car that costs over a million to rebuild or, you know, whatever it is you're doing. But then the other side of it is, like, if Latifi's, like, purely on performance, he shouldn't have a race seat next season. No. Because, like, Albon's walked in after having a year out and beat him. This weekend, not so much. I think both Williams were, like, you went off there, right? Watch this. Hold on. Hold, hold my steering wheel. Hold on. Right. I'm going to try this one now. What about you? You know, it was like they were two 12 year olds playing F1 2022. You I know. just didn't finish at all either. And he yeah. had a five second penalty that kind of got null and void. 
Mm. Uh, and I think he went off a couple of times. I think they were just checking out the... Uh, quite a so, few, yeah, yeah. Off and on, off and on, off and on, off and on. But, I, he kept seeing the yellow flag, green, yellow flag, green. Yep, You're thinking yep. Albon, 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 Latifi, Albon, yep, yep, Albon, yep, Albon. Yep, Albon. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thought that was Yuki as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Yuki, Yuki is Yuki. <laughs> Yuki had one, but he got, he did he get in the points? I can't remember. Maybe he got 10th. I think Vettel got 10th, but he was near or thereabouts. But yeah, Latifi, like, it's inexcusable. You don't, you don't come off even in Monaco in the rain behind the safety car you do not hit a barrier and you don't go off I mean ask George Russell if you don't do it or Mick Schumacher you shouldn't do it it just doesn't happen you are supposed to be the 20 best drivers in the world do not bin it under the safety car are you stupid Uh, it's raining you're in Monaco just chill but you know what what if he's shown he shouldn't be there I was kind of thinking in the three years or the whatever, how many years we've behind Russell, that he was a good driver just because Russell was that good. We kind mm. of, yeah, kind of put him in the shadow. Now that shadow's not there. Well, actually, he's crap. So, mm. uh, and Stroll just did not do. He's not doing himself any glory either. He's a decent driver, and I think Stroll probably deserves his time in Formula One more than the rest. He ain't going to be a top. He's not going to win a world championship. Going to be a, a journeyman. He will be. He'll be. He'll, he'll float around the midfield teams, you know. If he'll be in Aston until uh, Lawrence decides, well, you know, you know I've had the thing is, if Audi, if if Aston Martin and Audi decide to go into a partnership, Stroll doesn't have that power to keep his son in the team. That's the big mm-hmm. worry for Lance Stroll. Because if Audi come in and it's a works team, but under that brand or however the deal works out, or you know, do they just buy them out completely? You know, it's a bit of a a bit of a failure for Lawrence Stroll, but, you know, the first thing I think that Audi would do if they took on main control would be like, we want one of our guys in that seat and we're getting rid of you. Like, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. I think, yeah, he's done a good time. He's got a couple of polls, could have won a race. Yeah, he's, a, he's, had, he's had his opportunity. He's done He's done okay. Uh, you know, he deserved his place on the on the grid for the time that he's been there so far. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it someone else's turn now? Okay, well, that's our review of Monaco Grand Prix. We do want to talk about the Indy 500, uh, and the winner of the Indy 500 is ex-Formula 1 driver uh, Marcus Ericsson. Uh, and there were, we all kind of watched segments and sections of, of the race, so we all have probably got an opinion on it. Um, but what an exciting last few laps. That's all I've got. To, that's what I want to talk about. Um, it was going to be Pato O'Ward, uh, was was looking, you know, to pounce uh, on Marcus Ericsson at the end. That was just some fantastic driving between the two, and I really thought Pato was gonna was gonna do it. And I would have been really happy as a not so secret McLaren fan. Tick that off your bingo card uh, for an everything F one bingo podcast podcast bingo. Uh, I was really thinking that Pato was going to do it, and it certainly looked that way. Uh, but Marcus Ericsson, Mister Mister Defense, he, he he just he just did what he needed to do, didn't he, Sophia? Yeah, it came down to pit strategy in the end because Pato was ahead of it most of the time and then yeah. just decided to pit uh, just after Ericsson um, on a slightly delayed lap. It could have been a McLaren 2-3. There's even times it was a McLaren 1-2 with Felix Bosenquist. Khan came in with the pit strategy as well. It was just great. And I mean, I'm just going to plug this out as well. All top three teams had female engineers and strategists. So... That kind of says that, like, 
in the field Progressive. now. Exactly. Um, and I, as a female, obviously, like that's a great thing to see, and being included into this uh, into these sports that are heavily heavily male dominated, especially in the engineer side and the strategist side. I think that's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, it was such a good race. I oh yeah, I was so happy watching it all, and I was screaming so many times. I thought my neighbors like knocking on my door asking if I was okay because some of these overtakes were absolutely amazing. Feel so sorry for Roman Grosjean who went off as well as Callum Isla as well. Yeah. Um, don't like seeing them go off because some of those crashes were quite bad. But yeah. overall, it was my first full watching of an Indy 500 and definitely will not be my last for sure. Coops, anything to say on the Indy 500? Were you, were you, are you a fan of it? Are you going to be watching it more? You've always watched it or at least had a glance yes. of it, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I've watched the American stuff uh, now. And I say it in that sense because it, I've watched it when it was cart. I've watched a wee bit of IndyCar, then cart folded and it became IndyCar. There was mm. a kind of two competing series over there. It's a bit of politics. You know, that's where my love from One Problem Montoya came, came from. Uh, so I've always watched it. Uh, but yeah, the Indy was amazing. Uh, as Sophia says, the accidents aren't always good. But I think the good thing is now that They've got those safer barriers there now. So when you see a big crash, they look spectacular, but they're not quite as bad as they mm. were. You know, I think it was only a few years ago that Sebastian Bordet during practice ended up with a broken pelvis. So they changed some things out. He had a massive accident, uh, broke his pelvis and some other issues. Uh, and then I think even during the practice, Colton Herta ended up flipping the car. So, you know, when you go off at Indy, you remember it. <laughs> mm. But it's not quite as bad as it was. But yeah, the race was amazing. I mean, I watched, I think it was the second the second or third to last lap where Pato almost came alongside and he almost was on the grass on the side and you're like, oh no! Yeah. And, he, and he, kept it, he kept it where it was supposed to be. You're like, oh, oh psh. And he's also been given an extension in his contract and apparently Zach Brown has said that Pato Award is the other rookie that will be testing in Formula One this year. Oh, uh, nice. I've seen that somewhere. So it'll be Colton Herter and Pato Award. I might have got that wrong. I'm sure I did see it. I would need to find out. So anybody watching, go to the Facebook pages and the website and I'll try and post something on there. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's good. This season's been a good season for Formula One. Uh, Formula One, sorry, for IndyCar. So yeah, long may it continue. I just, you know, I want to see uh, Grosjean get up there a bit better and Pato and... Rosenquist. Rosenquist hasn't had a good time with it. McLaren a wee bit, kind of like Danny Ricciardo, not quite as bad, but he was brought in to be a bit better than he's been. Had a really bad season last year, but yeah, the Indy 500 is uh, it, it kept it going, and even when I had to go and, you know, cook the dinner I was still like, what's happening? You know, on the group chat, like, so what's, who's went where? What's happening? Who's happening? And then, of course, the red flag, I was like, right, perfect. Right, let's watch this. And yeah, it was heart and mouth stuff. Brilliant. It's, it's how racing should be. We don't want races to be decided behind yellow flags and we don't want them to be decided by somebody getting spun into a wall. That was some good, solid, hard racing and they knew where the limit was and they kept at the limit and didn't go further and that's that's all you can ask for. Yep, and it was great. I, I probably watched about the last 75 laps, so probably the, the more exciting stuff. I just missed out on the Grosjean and the Calamilat crashes. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be watching it again. Uh, very interesting. Um, right, uh, we can move on to any news stories that we should talk about before we go. 
Sophia. Oh no, Dan. Let's go to Danny. Sorry, Danny. Any news articles that you want to chat to, chat about um, before we head off? I suppose we should mention Perez uh, signing new contact. A uh, couple more years under the belt. Um, uh, yep. As uh, Sophia said, as he was going up to the podium, um, he had a cheeky little, which I missed, to be honest. I was watching it, but I, I didn't quite hear it at the time. But on the on the replay, I've seen it since. Um, he said to Christian, maybe signed a little bit too early. <laughs> uh, may, maybe signed too soon. And Christian yeah. d- didn't quite say anything back, just give him a little pat on the shoulder and off we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he but, probably, probably could have negotiated an extra million in his pay for each year. But, you know. These things I think happen. definitely, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, I, I think he's settled in well there. Um, I, I, I was going to say knows his place, but I don't even think uh, they're admitting his place at the minute. He's first, second, both first. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, um, but he's uh, he's doing well, uh, doing very well, in fact, isn't he? It's uh, this is the Perez we wanted to see. Um, last year he was a little bit off and on. Mm. Uh, we knew we knew we had it. Um, but it's it's whether or not you can stay at Red Bull long enough to be able to show you've still got it uh, without them just flicking you out the door and dragging somebody else in. Uh, I but- think I think the difference between last year and this year is is last year he was very much put in the place of you are the support driver, you do this, and this year he's he's probably said to them, no, look, I'm, I don't want to be a support driver for my whole career. Uh, I did it last year. Now give me a bit of a shot. I'm not asking to be the number one driver, but at least let me have a level kind of playing field uh, with Max. Well, I mean, maybe, but then the last race doesn't quite uh, back that up because then yeah, had Spain. To, yeah, so it's difficult. But you can tell when he's when he's um, speaking back. He's always had this uh, this comfort of you know, okay, I'm here to do my job as a second driver. I'm backing him up. Whereas the last race, he was right. This is unfair. I'll do it. Mm. That's fine. But just, just so you know, I understand that this is unfair and we'll be talking about this later. And I'm sure they did talk about this later. So I think he's switching to the point of he realises himself, actually, you know what? I can challenge him. Um, I think he's been comfortable as a second up to now. I think he's starting to believe himself. Actually, now I've, I've got it in me to be able to win a championship because he has. He always has done. Um, yeah. He's just not quite made that step yet. But I think... Uh, I think he definitely can now. Um, it, it, it's him himself, isn't it? Not even the team as such. I think it's he's been he's been well known to just be uh, when he went to Red Bull. We went well. He'll, he'll suit quite well. You know, he's quite self sufficient. Um, he doesn't need constant support. Mm. Uh, but it, and he'll also, you know, if he's told to do something, he'll do it. You know, passing the um, first place to Max because it's the right thing to do. Um, he does it, you know, and uh, but I think he is starting to change himself a little bit now. So it's good to see uh, because he's the nice guy of F1, isn't he? Uh, every, everybody loves Perez, mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice for him to finally start stamping his feet and saying, "No, no, no, no." Now it's, uh, and we, we, I think he needs a moment of um, right. You need to hand this place to Max, and he goes, "Nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope, not anymore. Nope, this is mine. If he wants to pass me, he'll pass me." But no, he's not having it. And I think we're going to see that actually at some point. I hope so. Um, Sophie, have you got a news article that you want to talk about? Um, not off the top of my head. One quick thing about Monaco Grand Prix. Pierre Gasly, with the amount of overtakes he did um, in the race, kind of went undetected, wasn't talked about at all throughout the entire race. He did some great overtakes, took a lot of risks. 
I just wanted to get that out there before we yeah, finish no, the podcast. Um, I'm even wearing my <laughs> Pierre Gasly jumper as well. So, so yeah. Um, no massive respect to Pierre Gasly this weekend. The, the, this weekend, then yeah. you did a good job. One of my favorite drivers for sure, Dan Kevin Magnuson. But no articles for me um, off the top of my head. Coops, any news stories you want to chat about quickly? Uh, the only thing that popped up is uh, like when Mercedes are announcing something tomorrow on their Twitter. Ooh, mysterious. Not, I don't think within the group chat we agreed that it was anything to do Formula One-wise. I think we're kind of leading towards maybe a GT or WEC sort of thing, but definitely for anyone who likes uh, motorsport outside of Formula One or just, just curious, jump onto the the, the Twitter sphere, uh, check out every, uh, Mercedes F1 Twitter handle. Uh, tomorrow, uh, but you don't even—you don't even need to stray that far because no doubt we will cover it on our page as well. Yes, we'll have Coops on there writing an article, me making an image. There'll be someone else doing something, and I'm sure we'll keep you all informed on our we, site. We will set, we'll certainly put it on our site. But yeah, uh, there is something coming from the world of Mercedes AMG Patronus. Uh, would did we say Le Mans? We, we thought it might be a Le Mans. Could uh, yeah. GT project uh, Sponge had said that project could, uh, one. There's uh, some. He mentioned the name of it, which I'm not familiar with, but he seemed quite excited by it. So some Ooh. kind of hypercar project, maybe they were doing or something. Uh, the WEC seemed to be getting a lot of kind of, you know, re- re- revival with uh, Peugeot and Lamborghini coming in in the future and stuff like that. So. Uh, potentially something probably to replace the Formula E and maybe that's why they've moved away from Formula E because of this project. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's okay. the only other thing I could see. I did a quick check online there, nothing news popped up uh, from everything we've kind of had. It. The only thing we didn't touch on, sorry, was Ferrari did protest the, the win because they ah, said yes, that... The, uh, Red Bulls, the Red Bulls crossed the lines, uh, the, pit, the pit exit lines. The pit exit, yes. Now, quickly to touch that on... Uh, the, the, the stewards threw it out because although we saw a couple of angles and it did look like he did, the rule is that the full of the wheels or full of the car or full part of the car has to cross the wheel. So if you're on the line, uh, based, sorry. So the accusation was that as they came out of the pit, the left front wheel, the left rear wheel crossed the yellow line, which they're not allowed to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And on the, on the TV uh, pictures, looked like he did. But it has to be the full wheel. The, not part of it so if you straddle the line even if it's a millimetre just as you're going over that's fine but the the rules are written similar to again Formula uh, football the, it's only a goal if it, the full ball crosses the line so the full tyre didn't cross the line so it's not a penalty and that's why it, the protest was rejected so it was very quickly sorted it, they did look into it for quite a while they looked over it for quite a bit uh, but it was uh, determined that it wasn't the full car so yeah that was that. That's the only other thing. Um, one quick thing. IndyCar's um, McLaren has opened up a new site uh, surrounding IndyCar as well. A new kind of, I guess, training spa and factory came up on my feed the other day. Um, so they've invested money into it. Also with Pato's contract as well. I think it was, I think it didn't say Aero McLaren contract. I think it just said McLaren. So it might fall under any of the McLaren kind of branches, Formula E, F1, IndyCar. Nice. All of it. It might. That's, that's a very I need good. Double posi- check that. That's a very good position to be in. A bit like Red Bull, actually. You know, yeah. Red, you're not signed to Alpha Tauri or Red Bull. You're signed to the company 
the whole company. So that's 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 a that's a pretty cushy place to be as a driver. You've got your options. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, Pato Award coming into for coming into McLaren next year to replace Danny. I, I can see that. That'll be interesting. Oh, do you think, he, do you well. think he'd want to though? I think he'd want to stay in I think everybody wants to try Formula One. Every driver wants to go there at least once. There's not he, many that don't. He does, but he's doing so well at IndyCar. I think if he wasn't in top positions, podium positions for IndyCar, then yes, but he is in podium positions contending for it. I think he's second in the standings right now as well mm-hmm. because of how well it was uh, this weekend. So I think it could be even next season if he's doing this well. Um, he won't try to quit something that's not broken. Oh, yeah, it would depend how his season goes in IndyCar this year before yeah. he decides to jump over. This has been the Everything F1 podcast. My name has been James Tiller. Alongside me has been Jamie Coops. Hi. We've also, we've also had Sophia. Thank you, Sophia. Thanks for having me. And we've had uh, long absent Danny. Thanks for coming along for your rare appearance. No problem. Thanks for having me. As I say, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our socials until next week. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com, where we post articles on the daily. We would also love it if you could subscribe to the podcast and, of course, get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. We will speak to you next week where we're previewing the Baku Grand Prix. So we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.